Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We've been looking at the whole issue of being ready. You say, being ready for what, George? Being ready for the reality that one day Jesus Christ is going to return. Well, you say, well, George, it's been 2,000 years. He hasn't come back yet. Well, we've looked at that over the last several weeks. And in several of the parables, he's told us it's going to be a long delay. It's not an issue of when. It's an issue of the fact that Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. You and I need to live with that reality. It may be next week. It may be a hundred years from now. But Jesus is coming back. You don't know when He'll come back. But the issue is, is are you ready for Him to come back? And that's what we've been talking about as we have looked at what He has told us in the last part of chapter 24 and the fact that we need to be ready, we need to be watching. We've looked at that fact through three different parables where He has told us about how we need to be ready. Now we're going to wrap it up where Jesus is going to show us in what we're going to look at today, the story of the sheep and the goats, about the reality that this is what's going to happen when I come back. Now, what does all of that mean? Why are we talking about this? Well, from everything that we have looked at so far, and we're going to see it again today, the issue of you being ready for when Jesus comes back has nothing to do with your profession. Just you simply saying, I believe in Jesus Christ. It has to do with your life and how you live that life. You say, well, you can't gain salvation by how you live your life. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you working for your salvation. So everybody understand me. I'm not talking about you working for salvation. I'm talking about your salvation being exhibited in how you live your life. The issue is, is if I'm saved, it's going to be reflected in a changed life. It's going to be reflected in how I live my life out. And that's what we've been seeing. And see, as Jesus divides humanity, He's dividing humanity not based on their profession, but on the reality of the reality of salvation being exhibited in their life. And we're going to see that today, especially in this parable. Especially in this story that he tells us concerning the sheep and the goats. So we're going to wrap it up here today. And there's something that you and I need to grasp the reality of. Because what we're going to see is is how Jesus is going to judge us. And about how Jesus is going to look at the reality of where people are at. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time here. I want you to notice with me verse 31 through 46. Jesus is wrapping up all of this discussion concerning his return. He's wrapping up his discussion about being ready with the three parables. Now he says, look with me at verse 31. He's going to talk about when he comes back. Look at what he says. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. 
Then the king will come to those on his right hand. Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, Insomuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer him in saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is an interesting story that Jesus is wrapping it all up. It kind of, kind of gives you an understanding of why it is so important for you and I to be ready when Jesus comes back. And listen, we're going to talk today about the issue and sum it up with just one statement here. Walk your talk. Walk your talk. See, it's one thing for you to say, and what we're going to see here, it's one thing for you to say, I love Jesus, I'm saved, I trusted in Jesus Christ, but you to live like everybody else does, it has no change in your lifestyle. That's just simply a profession. That's not the reality of salvation in your life. And what you're going to see is, is Jesus is saying to us, and we're going to look at this passage very clearly in a moment here, that the issue is that those who will eat, walk in eternity will be those who walk their talk. They'll be those who walked their talk. Not just simply those who made a profession. Not just simply those who mentally acknowledged. But those who grasped it with their heart and accepted Jesus Christ with their heart. And it was then exhibited in the way that they lived their lives with others. And that's what we're going to see. The issue of walking your talk. If I'm going to be ready, I need to walk my talk. I'm going to need to walk my talk. So let's go on and look here. First of all, verses 31 through 33, we're going to see he focuses on the issue of his return. And I need to focus some time here because this is very important for all of us. Notice what he says. Verse 31, he says this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his holy angels with him, he will sit on the throne of his glory. The first thing I want you to notice is this. Jesus will return in his heavenly glory. Jesus will return in his heavenly glory. You know, the first time Jesus Christ came, he came as an insignificant little baby born in a stable in Bethlehem. The first time when Jesus came, he grew up in an insignificant little bywater town in Galilee called Nazareth. 
In fact, if you remember, Philip, I was just reading this with my children in, in our family devotions, Philip, when they said they found the Messiah and he comes from Nazareth, they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's the kind of place he grew up in. When he entered into Jerusalem the first time, and they brought down the palm branches and everything, a few days later they crucified him. That was Jesus in his first coming. My friends, when Jesus comes again, he's going to return in all of his glory. He's not going to be the babe in the manger anymore. He's not going to be the Jesus that you see that's knocking on the door or carrying the sheep around his shoulder. He's going to be Jesus in all of his heavenly glory, the King of kings, Lord of lords, coming back to rule the nations. He isn't going to be your buddy. He's going to be awesome God. And that's the reality. When he comes back, he's coming back in all of his glory. You say, you sure about that, George? Yes, I'm sure about that. All you have to do in your mind is go all the way over to Revelation chapter 19. In Revelation chapter 19, John the Revelator sees the vision of Jesus returning. Here's what it describes him as. It describes him as riding on a white stallion. Many crowns upon his head. A sword, which is the word of God, proceeding out of his mouth with the armies of heaven coming with him to conquer. He's going to come back as a conquering king. And so Jesus is going to come back in all of his heavenly glory. That's the return. You and I need to recognize that one day the sky is going to crack and Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. The other thing I want you to see there is, is that he will separate humanity. He will separate humanity. Look with me what he says there in verse 32. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. That day when Jesus comes back, Jesus is giving a very brief statement of what's going to happen, but all the nations, that, that is every nation in the world, is going to be gathered before him. And then what he's going to do is, is he's going to separate humanity. Remember, I've told you this. It's been throughout the parables. It's been throughout the stories that we've looked at where he separates people into one of two groups. And we see it even here. He's separating the goats from the sheep. He's separating humanity. And that's going to take place. In fact, listen, just so you understand what's going on here, all the way over in chapter 13, verse 37 through 43, he says this, Then he answered, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Listen to what he says. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will the so will the end of the age. And the Son of Man will send out His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and cast them into a furnace of fire and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has an ear, let him hear. Let him hear. God is going to separate humanity. He's going to separate, sort of like, and the picture is, what he's picturing is, is in Palestine, and they even do this to this day, what they would do is during the day, they would let the sheep run with the goats. So you'd be out in the field and you'll see a whole bunch of sheep, and intermingled with the sheep would be these goats. Now the problem is, is that certain times of the day, they would have to separate them. For instance, like when they're eating, they would separate the goats from the sheep when they're eating. Why? Because goats are a little bit more rambunctious. Sheep are a little bit more docile. They're not so easily excitable. 
Goats are excitable. When they go to bed at night, they would separate them. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's going to be like a shepherd, separating basically the saved from the lost at the end of the age. He's going to separate humanity. That's what's going to happen in his return. And then notice something here. We're going to see now, we're going to see them taken in two different sections that he's going to judge one group, the other group. You say he's going to judge the saved? Yeah, he's going to judge the saved. Don't think just because you accepted Jesus Christ that Jesus is not going to call into account your life. He calls all of us into account. See, your salvation is not just a blank check to do whatever you want to do. He calls all of us into account with how we live our lives. And so I want you to notice now, he's going to first judge the group on his right hand. Let me just say to you, in the scripture, in the ancient culture, the right hand was a place of honor. Notice what he says, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I want you to notice the blessing. Here's the blessing. The blessed will receive the kingdom. The blessed. Notice what he's describing. He's describing these sheep. And listen, if you are here today and you have truly trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is how God looks at you. God looks at you as the blessed of the Father. Did you hear what I said? You're looked at as the blessed, the special one, Of the Father. What Father? The Heavenly Father. You are God's special one. Does everybody understand that? Here's what we'll do sometimes, just because i got to stop for a moment. Some of you here who are truly saved, you've allowed the enemy to rob you of that perception, and you look at yourself, well, God could never love me. I'm just a dirty, rotten, nothing. Look at what I did before. He could never forgive that. What you've done is you've robbed yourself. If you've truly trusted in Jesus Christ, you need to begin to see yourself as you really are. What? God's special one, the blessed one. And here's the one I want you to see. The blessed will inherit the kingdom. What's the kingdom? Heaven. Eternity with Jesus. And listen, don't picture in your mind, I've mentioned this before, Hollywood's view of you sitting on a cloud with a harp, David's harp, playing a harp and saying, man, that's pretty boring. No, it isn't going to be boring. It's going to be boring at all. It's going to be a place of wonder. To be with the eternal God face to face forever. And he says, the blessed will what? Receive the kingdom. Now, here's why they'll receive the kingdom. Look with me at verse 35 and 36. And notice what Jesus says to them. This is why they're able to enter into the kingdom. Look at what he says there. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Look at what he's saying there. Why is he saying that they're able to enter into heaven? Because of their works. Now you say, wait a minute now. Works don't get me to heaven. No, but notice what Jesus is saying here. Here's the point I want you to see. They lived out their faith. See, I want you to see something. This is We've seen this over the last few weeks now. We've seen it with the three parables that we've just gone through. The issue isn't that you just simply say you're a Christian. The issue isn't just that you simply say, I got saved. Well, that's wonderful. But is there reality to that? 
You say, what are you talking about? Listen to what James says. This is another New Testament book, so you don't think that this is just some obscure passage where George is just making this up. Listen to what he says. What does it profit, my brethren, James chapter 2, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked, listen, almost parallel to what we were just talking about here. Notice what he says. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, is it, if it does not have works, is dead. But some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith, James writes, by my works. You believe there's one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. What's the whole point? The issue isn't that you just know in your mind. The issue is that you know in your heart. And that what you know in your heart comes out in your actions. See, this is what's going on here. James is saying to us, in a parallel passage to what we're looking at here today, is, is if you say you have faith, wonderful. Show me your faith. Live your faith out. And see, these folks lived their faith out. And here's what they did. When they lived their faith out, when they saw that somebody was in need, they met the need. When they saw that somebody was hurting, they brought healing. When they saw that somebody was alone, they were there. See, that's the reality of Christianity. The reality of Christianity is showing forth your life. And ultimately, I want you to notice something. Look at every one of these issues that Jesus is talking about here in verse 35 and 36. Notice something. I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked, you gave me something to wear. I was sick, you came to visit me. I, well, listen, in that day and age, when someone was sick, you didn't go and visit them because you were afraid you were going to get sick. I was in prison. Not a great place to be. We're not talking about the Taj Mahal of prisons that we have here in the United States. We're talking about holes. Terrible places. But you came and visited me. Here's what was going on. It was their actions towards who? Others. Isn't that what Jesus said? By this shall they know that you are my disciples. What? By your love for one another. See, isn't that interesting? That The salvation that Jesus is talking about here is manifested in our lives by our what? Our actions towards other people. And so they will inherit the kingdom because they lived out their faith. It was real to them. But see, that's so different today from us in our culture today, isn't it? Because we got our church hat. You know, Everybody's got our church hat on right now. And as soon as we leave here, we'll take our church hat off. Boy, I'm glad that's over with. I'm glad George got us out here on time. And then you go home and you put on your family hat. And you're who you are with your family. Then you go to work and you put on your work hat. Or you put on your hat when you're with your buddies. Or you put on your, the hat when you're alone. And, and, and you ever notice that they're not the same? Have you noticed that? That your salvation doesn't penetrate, permeate who you are in every area of your life? See, this is what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is telling us that our salvation should permeate every area of our life, especially in how we act towards others. So they lived 
out their faith. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Because they're surprised. Look at verse 37. Notice something. Look at what they say. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, wait a minute, Jesus. When did we see you, Jesus, hungry? When did we see you and feed you? You thirsty and give you drink. When did we see you a stranger and take you in and naked and clothe you? Look at verse 39. And when did we see you sick and in prison and come to you? They're surprised at this. When Jesus says, enter into my rest, you did these wonderful things to me. It's not like they were thinking, oh yeah, I remember. They're thinking, Lord, we don't remember that. When did we do those things? And look at what he says here. In verse 40, And the king will answer them and say, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Here's the point I want you to see. They served Jesus as they served others. Listen, here's what Jesus is saying. There's a spiritual principle here that you and I need to grasp. And this is so real. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit lays it upon your heart and maybe across the room is somebody with a need and you reach out to that somebody with a need and maybe you help them out, maybe you help them out financially, maybe they need your expertise, maybe you're a mechanic and you just help them out with their car or maybe you're an older person and you just go over and mow their yard or whatever. But you reach out and in your mind you're thinking, well, I'm just helping out sister so-and-so. I'm just helping out brother so-and-so. Here's what Jesus is saying. When you did it for them, you did it for me. You see the principle? And you know, we've forgotten that. Because how many of you, we cop an attitude after a while. Oh, they're so-and-so again. They're needing help again. I, well, I've already helped them out a lot. of it. This is becoming ridiculous now. And we forget that when we help them, we're serving who? Jesus. See, that's the point. See, they were shocked. You know, one day when we stand before Jesus and He says, you did this for me, you're going to be like, me? I didn't do that. He said, yeah, you did it for me. See, this is the blessing. This is the blessing. Jesus looks at them and says, you are the blessed of my Father. Enter into my kingdom. Inherit everything that belongs to me is now yours. Why? Because you lived out your faith. When you served others, you served me. But there is another group here. And I want you to notice another group. And, and notice with me in verse 41 to 46, the condemnation. The condemnation they received. Look with me at verse 41. Notice what he says. Then he will say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Here's what I want you to see. Again, Jesus divides the world up into two groups. The one group, the blessed, those who who live out their faith, who are saved, and it's exhibited in their life, they will inherit the kingdom. But then there's this other group, and I want you to see that the condemned will experience hell. There won't be no second chances. We've already seen that. We saw that with the parable of the ten virgins. There won't be, when he comes, that's it. There won't be any time to get ready. And notice how he describes this place of hell. It was a place, what? Notice, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. See, hell was never created. Can I give you a little bit of a theology lesson here? Hell was never created for humanity in the first place. Hell was created as a place of torment and punishment for Satan and his minions, his demons. 
But because of our rebellion and because of what we have done, it has now also become a place for torment and punishment for those who don't know Jesus. And so here's these folks and he begins out by saying to them, those on his left, depart from me, you cursed. Depart from me. Into hell. It's a terrible thing, isn't it? It's a terrible thing. And he's going to tell them why here. He's going to say to them why it's happening. Why is this taking place? Because I want you to notice several things as we look at this passage here. The first thing I want you to notice is is that they merely profess faith. They merely talked a good talk. That's what I mean when I say profess faith. They merely talked a good talk. They merely said, oh yeah, I trusted in Jesus. But the reality of that didn't mean anything to them. Here, notice what he says. Look with me again. Verse 42. For I was hungry. Again, same things here. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick in prison and you did not visit me. They didn't do who they said they were. They didn't do the stuff that they were supposed to do as a reflection of who they were. Back in 1988, Moody Monthly, which is a magazine that's now ceased in its publication, had this little snippet concerning a woman. The writer writes, She pleaded on the phone, My son is dying of AIDS. Will you come and pray with him? Yes, said the senior pastor of a large metropolitan church. The woman began to weep. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're the fifth church I've called today. What happened to the others, said the pastor. Two hung up on me, cried the woman. And one didn't even answer at all. And then the writer says this. How would you respond? How would you respond? Now wait a minute now before you just bluff that off. Read what Jesus said. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. See, they merely just profess faith. It wasn't reality to them. Listen, listen to what Jesus said just over in chapter 7. Just so you understand, Matthew is filled with these things from Jesus. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. It's got to be more than just words. See, they merely professed. And listen, notice something. Look at verse 44. This is the interesting thing. Just like with the righteous, remember how the righteous were surprised when Jesus said, enter into rest, you did these wonderful things for me. And they're like, Lord, when do we do this to you? Look at what verse 44. These folks are going to be surprised too. But notice what they say. Then they also answered him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and a stranger and naked and sick and in prison and did not minister to you? And again, look, the same answer. Verse 46. He will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. They merely professed. And then Jesus gives an overriding principle, and this is what I want us to focus in on last, and that's this. Look with me at verse 46. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous 
into eternal life. Here's the point I want you to see. Here's the summation of why you and I need to be ready. Here's what he's saying. Each will experience heaven or hell. Each will experience heaven or hell. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.